Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jordan Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I'm Austin Lane. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Justin Koo is in the back, pushing all the right buttons. My co-host Brent, who has been at home the past couple days, will be joining us momentarily. I was taking a nap. He texted the group, said he's going to be late. Didn't ask why. No communication. Doesn't really matter. He'll be here when he's here. Simple as that. And listen, being the constant professional that Brent Martineau is, obviously he still emailed us the rundown. But you know what? I was in nap mode. Didn't even take a look at it because to me there's one breaking story right now. There's one thing that's sweeping the nation, if you will, and it has to do with our own Jacksonville Jaguars and it has to do with Pro Bowl voting. Because I think you would agree with me right now when I say this year has been the year of indifferences. Right. Well, whether it's politics, whether it's you wear the mask, you don't wear the mask, whether it's Florida or Georgia, whether it's PlayStation or Xbox, no one can really get on the same common ground and agree with each other. Would you agree with this? Uh, yeah, it definitely yeah. seems that way. And then when we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, it, Jaguar, excuse me, is Gardner Minshew the man going forward or not? Well, we kind of found that out already. But when the season started, there was a group of people that thought, well, he's probably not going to be the man. And there was a group that thought, well, yes, he's going to be the man for many years going forward. So even Jaguars fans right now seem to be at a civil war a little bit. And the latest example of that is that the Jaguars should be tanking or not. Now, you know where I stand on that. I can't co-sign on it. I don't have a loser's mentality. But I understand if you want to see this team lose. I understand that you want to plan for the future, get a legitimate quarterback, and build around that. I'm not against that. I'm just saying I want to see this team win some games. And who knows? Maybe they can start this Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But there is something right now that we can all rally behind. There is something right now that if you're a Jaguars fan, you should be doing your due diligence, your hard work, and making this thing happen. I didn't even know about this until my friend texted me this morning. And shout out to Bleacher Report Sports uh, for their app for dropping this news bulletin. And I quote, and this is what the exact Bolton said, Jags fans trying to screw Vikings. All right. If you guys remember correctly, when Yannick Ngakwe got traded, part of the stipulation was is that if Yannick Ngakwe went to the Pro Bowl for the Minnesota Vikings, the Jaguars would get a better draft pick. I think it would be a fourth pick instead of a, a fourth round pick instead of a fifth round pick. Well, he got traded to Baltimore, obviously, but by my understanding, the stipulation still states that if Ngakwe goes to the Pro Bowl, he is able, um, you know, like we are able to get that fourth round pick still from the Minnesota Vikings. So listen, I have no ties to Minnesota. I'm not a big Mike Zimmer guy. If we're being honest right now, I think he got a little cocky when they were losing everything like that. And listen, the Vikings were trying to tank anyways. They traded Yannick Ngakwe. They put Hunter on the IR. They weren't planning on winning any games. Now all of a sudden they start winning some games. And obviously with that other draft pick that the Jaguars get now with Yannick Ngakwe, well, that pick's going to fall by the wayside a little bit because keep in mind, the Vikings are getting a better record. Not good for the Jaguars fan base. So me, Coos, we'll see what Brent thinks about this, but I'm asking all Jaguars fans to rally behind the cause 
and let's vote Yannick Ngakwe into the Pro Bowl. Okay, Kuz, maybe we can put the link on our website so it's super accessible. All you got to do is click on one thing, and it counts as a vote for Yannick Ngakwe. And now before before any of you goody-goodies out there want to say, but Austin, I mean, isn't that kind of petty? Isn't that kind of messed up? I'm here to tell you guys firsthand the Pro Bowl vote is the biggest bunch of malarkey you have ever seen. I've been in those Pro Bowl voting uh, rooms with players my rookie second and third year in Jacksonville. And believe me when I say it is the biggest crap show you could ever imagine. Now, what do I mean by that? We never voted for anybody, regardless if it was Chris Johnson leading the league in rushing, regardless if it was Andre Johnson being one of the best wide receivers at the time. We never voted for anybody in our division. You think, oh, the AFC South division, they got pride, they support each other. Absolutely not. We didn't like the Titans. We didn't like the Colts. We didn't like the Texans. So we never voted for them. Peyton Manning, sorry, man. I'd rather have, I don't know, Carson Palmer over you. Like, we never voted for any of the AMC South guys. And obviously the way it was set up, at least back when I was playing, is that you can never vote for your own guys, right? Because that, that makes it kind of cheating. So what we would do is we would take the most... I guess out there names you could think of, just the, the most generic names, the most average position kind of guys, and we would vote for them. Because the thinking was, if we voted for the top guy, well, then the top guy gets more votes. So we would vote for the guy who had no business going to the Pro Bowl in hopes that maybe one of our guys could kind of squeak in a little bit. It's a dirty, dirty game. That's politics, man. Welcome to the show. But I'm just saying, I'm trying to do my part here for 2020. I'll be honest with you. Obviously, I am the syndicate leader, as people kind of have have anointed me now. Kuz, you you can be like the vice president of the syndicate if you're into it. Okay. And you know what? Like, I've done some cool things in Jacksonville, right? Like, I've done some charity work and things like that. My biggest charity thing I wanted to do was called Shots for Tots, where around Thanksgiving break, if you go to a Jack's Beach bar and you bought a shot, Half of those proceeds would go to, you know, getting kids toys. Unfortunately, when I ran this by the Jaguars for an office, they said absolutely not because you can't combine alcohol with buying, you know, kids toys. Whatever. The kids missed out. It wasn't my bad. The kids missed out on that one. So this is my opportunity to give back. So, Kuz, what are the odds that we can get the Yannick Ngakwe Pro Bowl vote, like, website on our website? I will have to run it by our boss. No, no, it's fine. I'm I'm here right now. He's not here. All right. It's it's all good, man. Because let's be honest, Coos, what have we had to cheer for this year? Right. I mean, we cheered when the Jaguars beat the Colts and we had one week where we we're intrigued. We had one week where it's like, guys, maybe this is something special here. Maybe Gardner Minshew is the answer. And then they traveled to Nashville, play the Titans, another competitive game. And it was two weeks in a row where the sunshine and rainbows was kind of shining through a little bit. And now here we are. In the, in, in the dumps, in the gloominess, if you will. And to me, this is like our last Hail Mary. This is something that our, our fan base can rally behind and say, let's get Yannick Ngakwe to the Pro Bowl. Because you know what? It took me a long time to learn how to pronounce his name right. I'm probably still not even doing it right. It took me a long time, and then he's out of here. Let's get Yannick Ngakwe to the Pro Bowl. Enough said. D- <laughs> How do you think he feel? Like, it, how would he feel about getting voted to the well, Pro Bowl, Kuz. knowing it was out of potential pettiness? Well, no, no, Kuz, 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 
easy now. All right. Hey, hey, I mean, you're you're throwing that P word around like it's just like you should be doing that. No, man. All right, let's go ahead and quick see. Let's see the total sacks right now. Let's see tackles and five sacks between. Well, let's be honest. Nobody cares about tackles in terms of edge rush. Okay, but all right, Yannick Ngakwe right here. Listen, I don't like your negativity right now. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm trying to help this team out. I know. I'm just. I'm curious from a player's perspective. Yeah. If you got voted to the Pro Bowl knowing, let's say, 75% of the vote came because a team wanted to get better Kuz, picks from you. But, Kuz, this isn't like, this isn't an all-pro vote, right? Like, this right. is literally a popularity contest. Like, did you have homecoming court? Did you have prom court back in high school? Do I seem like someone that would get voted for on that? Well, I mean, did you have it, though? We you did. didn't get voted on? Oh, no, you didn't get voted on? Uh, I, was I that, did. I was that average Joe that you put so sure. that the top person wouldn't get <laughs> I mean, I was on it, but I think that was more of like the uh, Rooney rule, just because I was one of the only, like, you know, black kids in the school. So, like, <laughs> right, hey, this right. is going to look good. So, it's all good. So, I was on both of them. But listen, man, like, I didn't care. Like, I was happy to be a part of it, but I didn't care if I won or not. Now, the girls cared, obviously. Like, hey, you want to talk about cutthroat? Girls care about the homecoming court and the prom court. But, Kuz, my point is, this isn't a big deal. Like, well, we hear Pro Bowl snubs all the time. And we always ask, well, how did this guy get in? How did well, this guy yeah. get in? Let's go ahead and compare Yannick Ngakwe's stats real quick, and let's see where he falls in line in terms of the rest of the AFC. All right, so we've got Miles Garrett leading the way with nine and a half sacks. Keep in mind, I'm not mentioning tackles at all because nobody cares about tackles. All right? It's okay. all about the quarterback sacks. Welcome to the show, Coos. Uh, TJ Watt, number, okay. TJ Watt's up there. Uh, Agba's up there. Okay. Um, there's a Bud Dupree's. Uh, how many Steelers are in the top 10 in total sacks? They got Steven Tuitt, Bud Dupree, and TJ Watt. Three guys in the top 10. That's ridiculous. Um, okay, Max Crosby. Okay, so here's, here's where we're standing right now. We got about eight guys, nine guys in the AFC that are ahead of Yannick Ngakwe right now. Now, who's to say Ngakwe doesn't kind of rally a little bit, get a couple more sacks, and elevate himself into the top five? It could happen. But I'm just saying, in a vote that doesn't really matter, you might as well rally behind if you're a Jaguars fan, and you might as well believe in something, and you might as well have fun with something, and that something is getting Yannick Ngakwe to the Pro Bowl. So, Kuz, text our boss. Text Brent if you have to. Let's go ahead and post that link. I don't care what all the NFL people say about it, because I, I guarantee that they're going to share your same sentiments. Oh, Jacksonville's being kind of petty. Who cares about the Vikings? Well, yeah, but... who ca- do, do you care about the Vikings? No, not at all. Yeah. Like, if this is the Packers, obviously, I got a little bit of allegiance there. It's my hometown, yada, yada. Nobody cares about the Vikings. Nobody's Well, John Bachman does. <laughs> But listen, is John Bachman going to lose sleep if it's going to be a fifth-round pick or a fourth-round pick? Probably not, right? But the Jaguars, we like that, man. Like, that, let us win something this year. That's that's all I'm trying to get at right now. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, listen, if you're a Jaguars fan and you haven't – I've already been Ngakwe twice already, okay? And, and I've already wore out my vote. I'm going to vote tomorrow again. Like, if you're not voting for Ngakwe, then what are you doing as a fan, right? Rally behind something. Get excited about something. We need this. We got nothing else. Pittsburgh's coming to town, and in case you didn't notice, they're a pretty good team. All right, three of their they're undefeated uh, guys on the line are in the top for yeah. sacks. Three of their defensive linemen slash edge rushers. I don't know because it's a three-four defense. Oh, yeah. That's that's complicated. Don't worry about it. Uh, but three of their guys are in the top ten in sacks. All right, they're playing for keeps. All right, they're they're definitely playing for keeps right now. Oh, and by the way, I'm not sure if Tyson Alawalu was playing. Um, I know he was out the last game. I believe he might be coming back. You know this is going to be a revenge game for Tyson Alualu? 
you, you don't think Jaguars fans would kind of hard him a little bit? He doesn't remember that? Oh, trust me, man. Tyson Alualu, like, listen, if we're doing prize picks, now keep in mind, prize picks won't put Tyson Alualu on there because he's a nose tackle, and let's be honest, nose tackles get zero love on prize picks, as they should. But I'm just saying, if he was on prize picks, bet the over. Bet that over all day. Because Tyson Alualu is coming, if he is indeed playing. And that's another bummer about this whole pandemic. But I can't go out to you with Tyson Alualu, man. I like to give him a call and say, hey, dude, let's go to Ruth Chris. On you, obviously, because you're still making contracts. I'm getting paid from this thing, but hey, let's be honest. All right? There's a there's a pay discrepancy. Ruth Chris on you. Let's catch up a little bit. But obviously, we can't do any of that. But it is Pittsburgh Steelers, Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday. And we've been kind of breaking it down a little bit. We're going to break it down a little more this week. But, you know, I think the overall consensus is the fact that the Jaguars have had the Steelers number now the past couple years. And I'll co-sign on that. I absolutely agree on that. But how much stake you can put in that this season, that is up for debate. Now, for whatever reason, the past couple years when Big Ben comes to Jacksonville, he has bad games. I mean, I, I'm not going to take that away. He definitely has bad games. But Jalen Ramsey's gone now, right? Um, A.J. Boye, he's gone now, right? We have one of the youngest secondaries in the NFL, um, we have a defensive line that's been playing better, but right. But in terms of uh, quarterback sack production, it could definitely be better. And we have a linebacking core led by Miles Jack that's done okay. But you gotta wonder the question when you have guys like Claypool and Johnson and Ebron and Snell and James Conner. Like, do the Jaguars have the guys in place on defense to match up with all those guys? Well, right now we've seen every team that's played the Steelers has answered no. We'll see what the Jaguars can do. But I think from, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit as well, from a perspective of trying to model your team after, and when we discussed it you know, with the Steelers, obviously, because they've they done things right in the draft, um, they've let go of their guys that were problems to the team. But when they did that, they had plans in place to replace them, right? Like Antonio Brown at the time, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Antonio Brown, we'll see you later. Good luck with that. Throws his players underneath the bus, throws the GM underneath the bus. But what happened? Guy by the name of Juju Smith-Schuster emerged, and nobody even remembered Antonio Brown. And now they got Claypool and Johnson. They got like 10 receivers that are like Pro Bowl eligible. So they're not missing Antonio Brown right now. What happened with Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon Bell wasn't really personal. It was more business, right, as he wanted a new contract. Well, they said, hey, either you play for what we're paying you or you sit out and it is what it is. Well, he goes to New York. One could say that maybe he lost some money, but he got what he wanted. But then enters James Con- uh, James Conner. And that re- that first year that James Conner replaced Le'Veon Bell, Conner is playing at a very high level. Now, despite what you think about him right now, I'm just saying people weren't talking about Le'Veon Bell anymore when James Conner first burst on the scene. And this is kind of the point I'm trying to make, is every team's going to lose some of their star guys, right? Whether it's Houston losing Hopkins whether it's Jacksonville losing Jalen Ramsey, Yannick Ngakwe, every team's probably going to lose a couple stars. Now, obviously, the great ones with the great culture, they can cultivate those stars and keep them. But my point is, is when you lose those stars, do you have the backup plan? Is there a plan in place to be successful? In Pittsburgh, you better believe it. Um, in Houston, absolutely not. Okay? In Jacksonville, eh, we'll see. Right? We've seen C.J. Henderson so far. Um, started out strong and has been kind of just going down ever since. So to me, Pittsburgh is the ultimate franchise that you want to model yourselves around. 
And it's not only the franchise, man. It's like the entire environment. I know like the Bold City Brigade, I think a couple years ago, they actually traveled to Pittsburgh. It might be actually for the playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. But And I've said this before on the show. In terms of NFL venues of where to play, like obviously Lambeau Field was fun. Um, I enjoyed playing in Kansas City. But Pittsburgh always stood out to me. And it's weird because the field is absolutely trash. Like you're better off like taking a couple goalposts and putting them on Jack's Beach. Like that's what that's like the service that you're playing on. It's slippery. Um, you know the college played on it like the night before. It's just it's a mess. The field's atrocious. And to be fair, they don't have the biggest scoreboards. They don't have pools. They don't have palm trees. It's a, it's a very bleak looking stadium. I mean it's kind of cool because it's yellow and all that stuff and it kind of fits the brand. But it's nothing like out of the ordinary. But for whatever reason, just the game day experience in Pittsburgh and their fan base and just the overall feel of it, um, you probably can't find a better experience in the entire NFL. And I'm that's an unbiased opinion on my part. Oh, yeah. And then, by the way, fourth quarter, when they play the Sticks song. Kuz, you know the band Sticks? Mr. Roboto? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know what they do at the fourth quarter in what? Pittsburgh? So this is another thing that, you know, Jacksonville's got to find uh, something to kind of cling on here to. So my first time playing in Pittsburgh, I think it was my first, second year with Jacksonville. And I forgot who it even was. It might have like Montel Owens. He's like, oh, get ready, man. Here comes the Renegade. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, Renegade. You know the stick song? I'm like, yeah, I know of it. And at the time, I'm like, that's not, I mean, why are we bragging about Renegade? That song kind of, you know, whatever. It's weird. It's it's sticks. No one's like, no one's bringing sticks to the party. And it's like, oh, this guy's awesome. It's like, why are you playing sticks for, man? Like, put Metallica in or something. You're going to play sticks? But anyways... So, like, when the fourth quarter starts, they play Renegade. And if you know how the song Renegade goes, like, it starts really slow and it builds up and everything. Well, believe me when I say, and keep in mind, I had zero expectations for this song playing because, once again, it sticks. And when this song played and I'm on the bench, I wasn't even wearing the black and yellow and I got goosebumps. Like, they, they absolutely blast it. The crowd's singing along. The players on the sideline for the Steelers are jumping up and down. It's almost like, you know, playing in Wisconsin for, like, the uh, the jump around kind of that same thing and like that's kind of like their tradition thing now i haven't been to any jaguars games this year because let's be honest in terms of essential employees i just don't fit the mold in terms of the press box and that's okay because you don't either we just been chilling man but with that being said i haven't really seen um any kind of uh the, the game day experience this year like i understand when the jaguars score a touchdown i'm sure they still do this they play like that pennywise song that was always cool but if you do bring a new regime in here, right, and assuming you bring a new quarterback in here, you got to start building on these traditions. Like, you, you got to start having your thing. Like, I understand. The pools, that's your thing. The world's largest outdoor scoreboards or whatever that is, like, I get it. That's your thing. Pet paradise or whatever that dog place is, that's your thing. And that's cool, but, like, what, what's the game day experience? Though? Like, what's something where you can go, like, say you're out of town, right? And say, like, you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and you're coming to watch this game. What's something where they can go, dang, Jacksonville's doing that right? Because I guarantee if you're a Jaguars fan and you went to that AFC playoff game, I'm sure when you heard that, that Sticks song, and maybe you were kind of taken back, too. Like, why is Sticks playing right now? And then all of a sudden, 30 seconds into it, when it starts echoing up a little bit, all of a sudden it's like, ah, I get it. This makes sense. 
That's tradition. And that's what this team needs, right? I think in terms of branding and things like that, like you've gone through multicolored helmets, right? You've gone through um, aggressive jerseys. You've gone through the mustard jerseys. Um, you've gone through these jerseys now. You know, like you just, you got to find that one thing. And in order to find that one thing, let's be honest, only there's only one recipe to do that. And that's winning football games. When you start winning, that's when the tradition starts. When you start winning, now all of a sudden your jerseys are like one of the top things to buy in the NFL and in the jersey shop, right? Because it's cool. All of a sudden, like, you know, when that Pennywise song plays, well, now that's like a, it's like a really well-known thing. Like, that's, that's the power of winning. Like, winning makes everything cool. And I think Brent said this before a little bit. And I'm not sure if I agree with it wholeheartedly. But if you take those mustard-colored jerseys, and let's be honest, not the biggest fan of those. But if they were winning in them, if you're going to AFC Championship games every single year in them, I wonder how the outside world would have perceived those. Because obviously, they got ripped apart on Twitter and social media and all that stuff. But what happens when you start winning? Then all of a sudden, it's cool. So, so that's the biggest thing I guess I'm trying to say here is, in terms of roster moves, in terms of culture building, in terms of coaching, in terms of quarterback play, in terms of game day experience, in terms of all of these things, Pittsburgh is definitely the team that you want to watch because anybody can do it. Okay, it's not like they got a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes and they lucked into it. Now Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, he's a great quarterback, and at the time, you know, he was probably top five, um, maybe top four. But I don't think he's ever won an MVP award, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he's ever really considered the top quarterback at the time in the NFL. Okay? So, to me, if you're trying to model the team, the culture, the franchise, you model after the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you're going to see that in full effect, at least from the the on-the-field stuff, not the the off-the-field stuff. But you're going to see it on the field this Sunday. So, if you're watching, take some notes. Brent Martineau. I, play, I finished hey. second, right? I lost in the championship yeah. to you. Austin Lane. Hey, 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 you know what? You didn't win, okay? I That's all that matters. I didn't win. Don't, don't worry about what you did last year. You no, didn't win. I okay? didn't win, and yeah. I auto-drafted. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The only thing that's perfect about our team is our record. Uh, we acknowledge that there will always be things that we need to work on. The last several weeks, for example, uh, our past uh, defense or third down conversion defense was lacking. I think we spent some time talking about it, clearing along and so forth. And, you know, we, we recentered ourselves in that area and gotten better. I, I can't say enough about the efforts of the guys on third down defensively, for example, uh, last Sunday. Uh, so I look forward to getting into the lab with the coaches and the guys and, and attacking this run game uh, situation. It's something that we shouldn't have a difficult time pushing through, to be quite honest with you. We have very capable people in that area, um, but it is below the line as we sit here today. Steelers quarterback, uh, ups quarterback. Hello. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. Was he wearing earplugs and that's why he was talking so loud he couldn't even hear his own voice? Why he is he talking been. so loud? It's the Zoom stuff. You never know. I mean, that's a, that was an intense interview for supposed to be a casual topic. In general, watching him on the Zoom yeah. interviews, I said it to you yesterday. I was like, he's intimidating. Staring at the camera? Staring at the camera the yeah. whole time, too? Yeah, man. Oh. Intense. Very intense. But listen, I mean... And we've kind of echoed this the entire week. Tomlin said a lot of great stuff, you know, and I, I truly believe that he's not taking the Jaguars lightly. Um, and the sign of any good team is when you don't play down to the level of your competition, 
right? In the past couple years, well, the Steelers have done that, even to the point where they've been beat by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and don't mean, and don't think that Mike Tomlin um, hasn't forgotten those games either. You know, whether he's showing the the highlights of those games for the extra motivation, um, I guarantee that Tomlin has brought that up to the forefront a little bit. And I expect to see the best version of the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday. Austin Lane, Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690. My co-host, Brett Martineau, uh, who came to you yesterday by the fire pit. Um, we'll see where he comes to us by today. Uh, he's supposed to be on here in the next probably 30 minutes or so like that. So I'm just taking over until he comes back. But, you know, not, not to really tease the, or I guess kind of bury the lead here, but we talked about Yannick Ngakwe, you know, voting him for the Pro Bowl. But since we were on the Pro Bowl debate, we got to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars as well and, and what Jaguars should make the Pro Bowl. Now, let's get this thing straight right off the get-go. Anytime you win one game uh, so far, you're not going to have a lot of pro bowlers. Okay, I don't care what the stats say. I don't care what pro football focus says. When you have one win, uh, it's hard to get a lot of guys. But in my mind, and I think Brent and I, and Kuz, I think we're on the same page as well. I think we all agree that two guys definitely deserve to make the Pro Bowl more than anybody. And the first guy, uh, James Robinson. You know, I think we talk about James Robinson. I want to say right now, is he sixth or is he fifth uh, in the NFL in rushing? I know he's up there. Um, and this is a guy who really came out of nowhere, right? And that can be detrimental sometimes because, once again, you're playing on a team right now that has one win. Um, you're, you're coming from a university that no one really knows where it's at, right? You're undrafted. Uh, and, by the way, he's fifth right now in the, in the NFL. Delvin Cook's first, followed by Derrick Henry, Ronald Jones, which is crazy to me. He's third right now. Josh Jacobs, and then James Robinson. But anyways, like, listen, the, the whole story of James Robinson and why we like him here in Jacksonville, it's also the detriment to why you never know. This guy may not make, it's crazy to say, may not make the Pro Bowl. Just because I still feel like he's not a household name quite yet. Now, it helps that he plays running back, and obviously there's the fantasy football effect, and you have to like that. But I don't see, like, the, 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 the news sources. I don't see, like, the, you know, the national guys talking about James Robinson a lot. Now, every once in a while, maybe get some love here or there. But I see a lot of Kareem Hunt. You know, I see a lot of, I mean, I, heck, I still see Hilaire. And they brought in Le'Veon Bell to split the reps with him, right? So I think James Robinson deserves to be. I think that if he keeps on doing what he's doing, um, he's going to be hard to deny without a doubt. And the way that he's running, and once again, knock on wood for this one, if he stays healthy, there's no way I feel like he's going to be denied. Because whether it's going to be Gardner Minshew going forward or it's going to be Jake Luton or for whatever reason, Mike Glennon, um, if you're you know, if you're Jay Gruden right now, th- the proof is in the pudding. And you run the football. You get the ball in James Robinson's hands. Now, I'm not sure exactly in terms of his receiving threat. And keep in mind, he's got a lot of receptions this year, but he's not the Alvin Kamara type, right? Uh, not at least quite yet. Um, he's not even like a really like a Mike Davis type in Carolina. So I wonder if that hurts him a little bit, too, in, in the eyes of fantasy owners. Because, I mean, let's be honest, fantasy owners, they have a big say of who goes to the Pro Bowl and who doesn't. But I think in terms of story, in terms of what this dude's meant to a team, um, James Robinson is up there in the upper echelon, and he deserves to go to the Pro Bowl. The other guy, it's a no-brainer. It should be unanimous, and I think realistically, we should be talking about an all-pro nomination even more than a Pro Bowl, and that's Miles Jack. Miles Jack is playing possibly some of the best linebacking position right now in the entire NFL. Now, once again, 
It goes by the wayside because the defense is what it is this year. Um, it goes by the wayside because, well, there's not a lot of nationally televised games for Jaguars, right? And the one game that was nationally televised on a Thursday night, the Dolphins curb stomped them. So Miles Jack could be kind of an afterthought. But if you're a Jaguars fan, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, you better do your research real quick because this guy's playing at a very, very high level. Whether it's tackles, tackles for losses, um, getting after the quarterback and blitzing, interceptions, knockdowns, pass breakups, this guy is doing it all. And it seems like he's really filled in that leadership role a little bit. Now, keep in mind, I understand last year played middle linebacker, and he was the first guy to tell you. You know, uh, for, for lack of a better word, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said it himself. You know, he blanked the bed, let's just say. And to me, that was, once again, a testament to the fact that he's playing out of position, right? I saw it. Um, a lot of people saw it. Kudos to Miles Jack for trying to give it a go last year, but it wasn't his position. It's refreshing when you go from a guy last year we're talking about, this guy is like the top five highest-paid middle linebackers in the NFL. Is he really getting that money? Come on, man. What, what are we doing in Jacksonville? You could have paid Jalen Ramsey. could have paid Yannick Ngakwe. And now this year we're talking about Miles Jack where it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, how much is he making? Yeah, go and double that. Like, he's earned it. And it's been a cool thing to see. Like, there hasn't been a lot of silver linings this year for this team. But Miles Jack, set aside from James Robinson, could be the biggest one. So Miles Jack's definitely going to the Pro Bowl. Um, Whether he's going to be an All-Pro or not, that's still up for debate. Because, once again, I think the All-Pro, when you get voted on by the media members and things like that, they still take into account the record and tackles and things like that. But, man, I think if you just turn on the film and watch Miles Jack play in and play out, how could you not root for that guy? Like the, he, He's doing so well. Um, I just worry that he's not getting enough eyeballs on him just from the way that this season's going. So James Robinson, Miles Jack. Miles Jack for sure. Obviously James Robinson should be in there as well. But if those guys don't get voted to the Pro Bowl, um, you're definitely going to have I – mean, you're, you're going to have a couple of choice words from Mikus, let's just say that. And then we're going to have our own little website on ESPN 690 where it's going to be like my little blog – where I say things like that. By the way, have we got the boat Yannick and Gakwe thing up yet on the website? Still waiting to hear back from the boss man. All right, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. Uh, Kuz, you're actually sharing this with me during our break here. Uh, and listen, we don't talk about this guy enough. I feel like Tom Coughlin talked about him more last year than we have all season this year. Logan Cook. Logan Cook was featured on the Jaguars Facebook page. And Kuz, can you kind of summarize of what he was doing in Green Bay with what seemed to be like a little canteen full of powder? <laughs> I mean, yeah. is, is, I mean yeah. is that a wrong observation? No, I guess okay. not. I, I I don't know anything about hunting, so I feel like I'm not a good person to talk about this. Sure. But I guess he was using the smoke or dust or powder or whatever yep. came out of the... Canteen. Um, we'll call, canteen. We'll call it a canteen. I, did, I don't even know what yeah, it was. Yeah, a little sprayer but bottle. He was doing it so that he could see which way the wind was swirling, and yeah. it, it gave him an idea for the kicks. Well, Coons, you came to the right guy. Residential hunting expert Austin Lane here. You remember, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, went hunting with my grandpa for about three or four years back when I was, man, probably like in fifth or sixth grade. I went with him, getting up at 5.30 in the morning, go sit in the, in the freezing cold in the wintertime. Nothing like it. The reason why I don't do it to this day. But with that being said, Coos, 
and I'm not sure if this is a new thing. We should actually probably call up Scoby sometime or or someone like that who you know has a, a special teams background because it's kind of a genius move. And basically, what, what that tool was—I don't know what the name of it is—but what it is, it's like a little, it's like a little squirt bottle. So like you know, like uh, Visine eye drops. You know, like what the container looks like, and when you spray yeah. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you when you press it, it shoots like this puff of smoke up. It's like this little powder smoky thing. And the wind will obviously push it, and you'll, you'll tell where the wind's blowing. Because when you're hunting, obviously, well, deer have a, an extreme... upwind, right? Exactly, because deer have an extreme sense of smell. So if you're downwind, the deer can smell you, well, now you're screwed, right? Because now the deer can smell you, they're not going to come by you, you don't get that, uh, you know, you don't get that big old venison steak uh, for Thanksgiving, and it is what it is. So he brought this tool out there to kind of gauge exactly where the wind was blowing, I guess, for punting purposes. Now... Did the Jaguars make a tactical error by showing this? Because one could beg the question, is that legal? I mean, I, I don't see why you couldn't use it, but the way the NFL is kind of stickler sometimes, it makes you wonder if that's legal or not. Yeah, well, that was my first thought. I was like, <laughs> are you allowed to do that? Listen, I, I think I, I trust the people in the Jaguar social media department where they would know better if that thing was not legal, right? But they wouldn't post a picture of it in high depth, uh, you know, to so, hey. And a little, then explain, little explain how the camera ex- shot was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, can you read the camera shot off the Jaguars Facebook thing? Like, you want to talk about in depth? Um, and I, I can pull this up, too. This is obviously some kind of, like, marketing thing. Yeah, photographer uh, Rick Wilson, behind yep. the lens, Nikon D4 Hit lens. Hit us with it. Come oh, on. I don't even know what that is. You got to keep going. 400 millimeter. Yep. F2.8 there exposure, it is. 1 over 3,200 seconds at F over. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. Now, let's be honest. How many people on that Facebook page read that and were like, yep, makes sense. Yep. Yeah, that looks about right. I don't know, Coos, maybe a 1%? Of I'm this? just impressed that even the smoke is in focus. Like, the background's out yeah. of focus, the smoke is in focus. Well, like, listen, it was a great whatever, photo. Those, whatever those numbers mean, props to that guy for taking them. Like, I mean, obviously, he had the it right settings. The right yeah, it, they were the right settings. All the, those there's 13 digits that he displayed on that Facebook page, they came in handy. Don't know what any of that means. Justin Coos, Drive and Dish podcast. NBA draft tonight. Is it kind of crazy that we haven't talked about the NBA draft at all and it's tonight? Yeah. Like, th- this is where we're at right now. Well, it's one of those things where it's not like there's not like a Zion, you know? Sure. Just, I mean, let's, let's say John Morant as well. A, a, little, res- okay, hey, a little respect for the right. NBA but rookie of the year. You had you had those guys sure. in the last one. And yeah, between Ball and Edwards and Wiseman, there's some big names, but it's nothing that's like, oh man, this mm-hmm. is going to be huge. And also like, the teams that are picking first are, not, I don't know, it's kind of weird because it's it's the Timberwolves, the Warriors. I mean, the Bulls are picking fourth, so it's like, fine, and, and the Hornets are up there as well. But, you know, you don't have that team at the bottom of the barrel, like a, a Knicks team that's like, oh, man, is this guy going to change everything around for him right away? Sure, sure. Honestly, I don't know who the Warriors are going to pick because they don't need a rookie. But, but, but isn't that intriguing, though? Like, doesn't that get the eyeballs there? Because, let I mean, let's be honest, like, Minnesota Timberwolves, they've always kind of picked it with, you know, in the top five, top six, yep. and I don't think they really have, like, that big of a fan base. Once again, all due respect to Minnesota, but you guys are going to lose out on a draft pick when Yannick Ngakwe gets voted to the Pro Bowl, talking to you Vikings fans out there. But the Golden State Warriors, man, like, listen, 
they're probably one of the favorites to win the, the title this year again, right? And now you're going to add the second – is the second pick of the draft or third pick of the draft? They have the second, but they're probably the ones that if you had to – like if there were betting odds, yeah, it, they would probably be the one team that would be the the least one to bet on because they might trade. I got you. The, the rich keep getting richer, man. Well, yeah, I mean, if they add Wiseman to the team, yeah, that's like the last piece they need because the problem is between Wiseman, Edwards, and Ball. Yeah, Edwards and Ball are guards. Mm-hmm. You you don't need that on the Warriors, so you know it's kind of one of those things. What, and obviously, with the Driving Dish podcast, you know all about this. But what are they saying about this this Ball brother coming? Is he the best one? And is he probably going to go number one here? They think he's going to go number one. Right now, at least on uh, NBA.com, they have Edwards predicted okay. to go uh, number one. And I guess it depends on how you want your team. Like, both are considered stars that can come in and be huge for the team right off the rip. Sure. Uh, Ball needs a little bit more development on his shooting. So I guess if you're the Timberwolves, you have to decide, do you want your point guard to be a shooting point guard, one of your main scorers, or do you want them to facilitate the offense? And with the Timberwolves, you have Carl Anthony Towns, mm. you know, and you already have uh, Russell, so you might not need that, which could, which is why you might lean Ball. Okay. So but, that's kind of the way to look at it. Well, and, and that kind of takes away from it, right? Like, there is no clear front runner, right? Not right I, now, I mean, no. and and like, I think listen, there's always going to be talent and then be a draft. Now, some years are obviously better than others. But, like, I think if, if it showed us anything, like, go back to 2018 real quick, right? Like, Luka Donich gets taken third. Trey Young takes get, uh, gets taken fifth overall. Like, DeAndre Ayton wasn't the number one pick. Now, I mean, I don't know how he's done his career, but he's not playing like Luka. He's not playing like Trey Young. So, like, to me, like, there's always going to be at least one or two guys in that draft that could be, like, the next superstars. Oh, like, yeah. You know, these guys are. There will be. It's just yeah. who is it going to be and where is it going to be? Like, you have, like... You know, like we said, like teams like the Knicks are are kind of working with other picks that they have to try to maybe jump into that second pick with the Warriors, yeah. and then they can get their guy. But yeah, there's probably going to be someone lower that we're going to look back and go, "Wow, they're the ones that were the stars of this draft." Well, and then I see right that the Knicks are trading up a little bit to <laughs> like trading up a few spots now. Well, yeah, that's so they can pair they can pair that I think it's the 23rd or 24th yeah. pick with the eighth pick to okay. essentially try to move into the second pick. Oh. Buckle your seatbelts, everybody. The Knicks are making moves. We know how this pans out. Hey, when we come back to because I got to ask you, James Harden, is he going to the Nets, man? I want to get your take on this when we come back here on ESPN 690. All right, to step up. We got to raise our game to a level that we haven't seen yet. So I think the the, the opportunity is there for us. You know, when we're playing an elite team like Pittsburgh, uh, they're not undefeated um, just because of their defense. They're playing with great team effort. They, they're they physical. They can run. Uh, they pursue the football. But most of all, they're really sound in what they do. They, they protect the edges very well with those outside linebackers. Their line, inside linebackers can run. Their inside defense alignment are big and strong. Uh, Hayward's one of the best in the business at his position. Um, safety, uh, Minka's doing a heck of a job of just being a ball hawk. And obviously their corners are holding up very well. So really not a lot of weaknesses there. They're sound, they're tough, they're strong, and they uh, run to the ball. That is not Frank Caliendo. It's not John Gruden. It is Jay Gruden. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are the greatest team ever assembled. Just ask the coaches playing against them. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are the best 1-8 team ever. Just ask Mike Tomlin. Hey, everybody. Brent Martineau here along. 
Thanks uh, to Austin and Coos for all. Uh, I'm assuming it was like a half hour of NBA talk. Got that out of the way. We don't have to do any more. Oh uh, no, man. We're actually we're, we're changing the game. We got a new thing on our website. We got to put up. Uh, we're gonna vote Yannick Ngakwe to the Pro Bowl. So that's gonna be our, our main mission now. So we're yes, doing that. Yes, good. I, I mean, you're on that. That's, I like that. That was good today. That's what we opened with. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I mean, uh, James Robinson, Miles Jack belong in, and so does Yannick Ngakwe. Quite frankly. Exactly. I mean, have listen. we ever loved a fourth round pick more? You're not lying, man, right? Like, listen, it's, it's been a year, Brent. We can't agree on anything. And even if you're a Jaguars fan, is Minshew the guy? Is he not the guy? Yada, yada, yada. We can all agree on one thing, that Yannick Ngakwe should go to the Pro Bowl. So let's rally behind that and let's have some fun. Did you tease James Harden and the Nets? Is that what I Yes, sir. Heard? Yep. Uh, did you already talk NBA draft tonight? I mean, yeah, let's be honest. It's the NBA draft tonight. So we spent like three minutes on it, and that's all it deserves. But I think the bigger stories are, yeah, what's going to happen with James Harden? Um, you know, where are some other stars possibly going to go? Yeah, you just, I mean, you had to reel coos into the show, Drive and Dish podcast, and talk a little bit about the NBA at the start, I would imagine. That's good by you. That's good Well, work. I had to get his attention because he's watching Judge Judy back there. It can be very distracting. I don't know what could, you know how many texts I have to send coos to get his attention? I thought kids lived on their phones these days. I mean, it takes a while. Kuz, to I'm, get I'm not going to speak for you, Kuz. You got it. I was going to say, I was, I was on air talking about the draft when you sent that last text, so I, yeah. could, I was a little busy. Hey, sorry, Brent. We were working. Not sure what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. You're Trying good? to find new work. We good? Yeah, all good. Okay. All good. Everybody's good. Hey, doctor's note. I'm cleared. I'm ready to go. come back tomorrow. Cool. So there you go. That's exciting. Did you have to get a doctor's note, actually? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really? Yeah, you have to. I don't even know what we're. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm so confused now at some of the the protocols that are just like, are they our protocols that where we work, or are they just protocols in general? You know, because I gotta be honest with you, kind of tuned COVID nineteen out a few months ago. Sure. Like I was a little COVID nineteen out, unless it related to sports, and then we had to talk about it. Um, so I, I stopped uh, kind of seeing all everything I had to pay attention to until it was time to pay attention to it. Mm. And uh, But bottom line is, two negative tests uh, and and a doctor's note if you want to get back inside 14 days, I think is kind of the thing. Um, you know what's crazy is, like even in the kids' school, uh, if you get quarantined, which means you've been contact traced to be around somebody who tested positive. Yeah. You have to stay out 14 days, no questions asked. There's no doctor's notes coming back in, anything like that. So you have to do that. But the person that got it can come back, no questions asked, 10 days later. Huh. Isn't that odd? That's very weird. It's never been easier to get out of class. I know, right, man? <laughs> what a time to be alive, though, if you're a student. Yeah, it's really strange. The whole thing's weird, but, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. We're living in it. Um James Harden to the Nets, I mean, at least give people a teaser. Is it going to happen or no? Go. Coos, go ahead. I think it will. Really? I do. Do you think he's going to coexist there? He either will or the Rockets are going to deal with the most awkward season they're in for. Really? Wait, so he's going to coexist in, I'm saying, in Brooklyn? Yeah, oh yeah, right. it'll, right. it'll work. I just okay. don't know if the Rockets are actually going to do it. It's like the upset player thing. Well, are you going to let the player win? $50 million a year for... I mean, listen. I mean, we, I know we're going to break here, but like, don't you think James Harden owes a little bit to that organization? I mean, let's be honest here. For what? Well, they kind of built the team around him. They, they, they that doesn't him work, though. They, well, their whole I don't thing care was if it didn't work or not. Like, that's the fact. 
their whole thing is they wanted shooting. They just went for this weird shooting small ball lineup. It didn't work, and now he wants out. But do you know why? It didn't, I mean, regardless if it worked or not, but, like, dude, that whole offense was built around him. The whole yeah. small ball thing yeah. was because of James Harden. Now, they yeah. had Clint Capella for a while, but I'm saying, is there any kind of allegiance that James Harden owes Houston? Nothing. Nah. Loyalty? Nah. Especially since he's not clutch at all. I got a question about the Nets, so about Kyrie Irving. We'll talk football, too, in the next hour, but I do have a hoop question or two. We'll do it next. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690.